and you've ignored the God, and I love that statement, in whose hand is your breath. He holds your life in his hands. And you've ignored him. These other gods, and I like this statement. The reality is this. Speaking of Belshazzar's gods, he says this. Uh, they were helpless, which made you hopeless. They're helpless. Therefore, if you're trusting in them, you're hopeless. There's no hope there. And that's also one thing that is borne out here in Psalm chapter 115. Let's read it together. I'll read it out loud. You follow along. Psalm chapter 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold and work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they, they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I mean, what a great psalm, Amen tremendous and which hopefully speaks to your heart i love the contrast we find in the passage don't you as he expresses and he shares and he writes there's an obvious contrast false gods idols false gods versus the one true god uh, let's put it into perspective today would you okay so bear with me and so forth i brought with me one of the the decorations we use uh in our missions conference and uh it, it's kind of a, a statue and uh, you might remember seeing it I don't break the pulpit getting it out. Okay, this is the elephant that we use. If you remember back in the missions conference, Brother Jeff Coke identified it as an Indian elephant because of the decorations and everything on it. Okay, let's just say, for sake of this, I made this with my hands. I was up late, and I made this. Okay, let's just say I made this idol, right? Okay, this idol, I fashioned it with my hands. I put it together. I formed everything, and I'll tell you right now, I don't have that kind of artistic ability. It's nowhere in me, okay? But let's just say, for sake of argument, I did that, and I, I did it as to, to bring it and make it into a God, to bring this God into existence, okay? And I want to get it out of my way. So we're going to name it, and we're going to name it Ellie the God. <laughs> Ellie's for elephant, in case you didn't catch on. Okay, good. Okay, so you might be a little slow on Sunday morning, okay? So that's Ellie the God, right? That's an elephant. Now, now, we say, we look at that, that's silly because we, we don't worship idols today. Well, let's remind ourselves, around the world today, there are people who worship such things. Statues like this and things that are made by man's hand that Daniel described and also Psalm chapter 115 described. Though we might balk at it, and uh, 
because we don't have an inclination to typically worship such a statue, the reality is that happens around the world. But for sake of argument, let's talk about some of the gods we have. Some of the gods that we are tempted to worship and, and uh, maybe uh, uh, bow down before in our living and so forth. Uh, let me get ahead on my, there we go, Ellie the God. I want to get her up there, okay? Uh, the next one is God that I think we sometimes struggle with. Some people certainly in America study uh, str- struggle with, and that's, that's the God of greed, the almighty dollar. I would describe it, and maybe we would call it the God of wealth. Okay? I know it's just a $20 bill, but that's all I had in my wallet, okay? Do you have 100 you want to donate? All donations are gladly accepted. Okay? But we worship wealth, the God of wealth. Now listen, in all seriousness, for many today, this is their God. No different than those who might around the world bow down and worship that. This God is, is the one that they live for. This is the God that they work hard for. This is the, the God that they will deny them thing, themselves of other things for this God. This God will rule and dictate in their lives. It will order their steps. It will be the thing that they allow to guide and direct them in what they do, the decisions they make, and so forth. Now, there's another God out there, too. We could certainly name many, and I'll, I'll just name three uh, this morning. But there's another God out there that I think that we can succumb to, that we, especially as Americans and, uh, yea, as uh, the uh, advanced world Christians, that we can sometimes allow to become our God. And that would be what I would call the God of the good life. Here in America, we might term it something else, right? We might call it the American dream. What's the American dream? Well, it's just that, hey, I have everything, and I, it's a settled life. It's a, I have the nice car. I, I have the nice house. I, I have uh, maybe some, a boat, maybe some other toys, and, and more than I can know what to do with. It's good vacations, exciting things. It's financial surplus, and I have plenty of money taken care of. My retirement is set, and I'm looking forward to that, and everything's going great. I, have, I get to enjoy daily and often entertainment and luxuries of life. Uh, can I tell you, there's a whole lot of people that this is their God. It's what they live for. The American dream. I'm just living the dream. My friend, that is no God to bow down before. He'll do nothing for you. You see, the reality is, if we allow these things to rule and reign in our life, they dictate how we live, we're going to be in trouble. And let's be honest, these are gods that people rely on for security. We think of times in, in, in biblical times and even around the world, folks might have a statue and guess what? A famine comes up and they go and bow down, they'll bring stuff before this God and we think, well, that's silly. Well, guess what? Hard economic times come in America and like, like, well, at least I have my house and at least I have this and that's my security. And boy, can that go away like that? I have a bank account. I have wealth built up. <laughs> Just ask those who play the stock market how quickly that can go away. It can go like that. But we look to it for our security. We, as our security blanket, the thing we cry out to when trouble comes. Now, let me be clear. Just because you have money, just because maybe you do enjoy some of these things, the good life, it doesn't mean it is your God. I am in no way saying that. What I am simply saying is to make these things what you live for. 
to allow these things to dictate and drive what you do, the decisions you make, then it becomes a God. When it orders your steps, when it becomes the sole purpose. So we know what life is like, don't we? Troubles come, trials will happen, eternity will come. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Eternity is coming. And during troubled times and difficult times in life, maybe when we enter into eternity, you know what people cry out to? Ellie, help me. The wealth that I have built up, help me, save me. The good life that I have worked so hard to achieve, help me. And yet, what does both Daniel and the psalmist say? There's no response. They can do nothing for you. I love how the psalmist describes it here in these verses 5 through 7. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. Ears, they have ears, and they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They have a throat, but they speak not. If you read that description and you consider the reality that that applies to any God of our own making, any any idol that we might make, the reality is I think we have to join Paul in what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said, listen, these are dumb idols. Both in the common vernacular sense, but also in how he was used in the reality. They can't speak to you. They may have a mouth. They can't speak. They might have ears. They can't hear. They can't do anything for themselves. And they certainly can't do anything for you. My friend, they're helpless. And we are hopeless if we put our trust in them. They are helpless and we are hopeless if we put our trust in them. That's why the psalmist said, if you look down, verse 11. Remember he says this, ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. So if you fear him, if you say you fear God today, trust in him, he is going to be your help and your shield. And then he adds, he will bless them that fear the Lord. Listen to me. May I just put it bluntly this morning? May I just put it out there? Boy, I am so thankful that I serve a God that is able this morning. Aren't you you grateful that you serve a God that is able? that, That he can do, he can bless. He can be your shield. He can be your help. He's a God that is able to do much on my behalf. See, with these gods, we do all the work. We lay up the treasures. We build and achieve. We sacrifice to get the good life. We have to make such an idol as that. But reality is, we do all the work. Guess what? And they do nothing for us. They let us down. They certainly aren't able to do anything on our behalf. And yet with our God, Jehovah God, The God of heaven, as the psalmist said, the God of heaven and of earth, he is able to do everything for you and me. We serve a God that is able. Let's consider for a moment, shall we? If God is able, what is he able to do? The Bible is replete. It it is filled with expressions of what God is able to do. And may I tell you, my friend, when we compare our God to these, there's no comparison. We have a God that is able. And I'll share these verses. Stay in Psalm 115 because we're going to reference some of these verses. Let me share these verses with you. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says this. 
Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. Speaking of Jesus Christ, imagine say it, that seals the deal already, amen? Our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is able to save us. Hell can be escaped and avoided only through what God is able to do for us. We aren't able to do it for ourselves. These gods certainly can't do that. No man has ever been able to to pay himself out of hell. No man has ever been able to achieve such a good life. No man has ever been able to appeal to an idol of our own making, a God of our own, and lose hell and gain heaven. But may I tell you right now, this morning, our God is able. He is able to save you. You put your faith and trust in him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He can do it. And I am thankful this morning that our God saves. He's able. And I love how he puts it here, Paul does. He is able to save us to the uttermost. Say, what does uttermost mean? It means completely, perfectly. It's guaranteed. There's no loophole. There's no later in life, oh, gotcha, you're not saved. No, you are saved to the uttermost. I'm so thankful for that. Completely, perfectly. The context in Hebrews here, chapter 7, speaks of Christ being our high priest. And the idea that he saved the uttermost is a contrast. Because the priests of the Old Testament, they would come and offer sacrifices. And that atonement would only last for a short time. If it was for the whole nation, it would be year by year by year. The high priest would have to repeat. And you know what he's saying here? Jesus Christ died on the cross for you once and for all. And through your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, friend, you are saved to the uttermost. You don't have to come back to the cross. And and you don't have to come back and say, okay, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ again. No, my friend, once saved, always saved, because he saved you to the uttermost. It is God that is doing the saving, friend. And my friend, he is able. He is able. He is in the hand of no man, the hand of God, no man can pluck him out. Paul is saying it's a done deal. Once you put your faith and trust in him, you're saved to the uttermost. No, no need to keep getting saved. No, no fear of losing your salvation. No thought that it has to be done again and again and again. He is able to save us perfectly. May I just encourage you this morning, if you walked in and you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you don't know where you will spend eternity, my friend, trust him today. Make today the day of salvation. Don't leave here without settling it. Why? Because, my friend, this God won't save you. This God won't save you. That God in any like it will not save you. But the God of heaven can save you. He is able to save you to the uttermost. We look secondly at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 12. Paul is speaking, giving a personal testimony to his protege, Timothy. He says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed... For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Paul telling Timothy, I am confident. I have a confidence that my God is reliable. In what way, Paul, are you confident about your God being reliable? He says in the rest of this verse and passage, the things that I entrust to him. 
The things that I put in his hands, the, the things, and the statement here says, that which I have committed unto him. It conveys the idea like a deposit, like a, a deposit into a financial institution. You, you deposit it, and let's just use Mayville State Bank here, uh, just north of us. Let's say you go make a deposit in the Mayville State Bank. You're not there. Well, I hope, I hope they can, I hope they don't lose this. I sure hope that this doesn't get misplaced. I, I hope that I can come back in some future day and it'll be here. No, we expect it to be there. We've deposited it in a uh, financial institution with expectation that it's going to be there. My friend, you know what Paul says? Listen, everything that I have entrusted to God. Paul, what have you entrusted to God? My salvation, my eternity, the life I now live, I have entrusted it to God. I have invested it in Jesus Christ and who he is and the reality that I am one of his. And I will live as he has asked me to do so. It is the laying up of treasures in the bank of heaven as we might put it. In that sense, what's Paul saying? I'm persuaded. I have a confidence that God is able to protect and preserve all that I have put into his hands. God is able not only speaks of that security of the believer in salvation, but also to my living for today. The next verse in this passage says, Paul says, I'm going to hold fast. <laughs> I'm going to hold fast my faith in living for God. And the reality is, is I can trust him with that. I can have confidence that as I hold fast my faith, as I live for my God, that my, my life has not been entrusted to a God that is not able to keep it and bless it. But rather, I have put it in the able, capable hands of the Almighty God of heaven. I love what Paul writes. He says, I know. I know whom I have believed. I know the God that I write of. I know that he is reliable. I know that he is trustworthy. I know that, I can, uh, that he is able to keep that which I have committed in. May I ask you this? Boy, I know my God is able today. Do you know your God is? You know your God's able today. That you can put anything in his hands and you can trust him. Young person, is your God able? Because my friend, if you're putting the decision of where to go to college in your own hands and not giving it to God, you don't know your God. Because your God's able. My friend, if you're putting the decision, an important decision in your life, maybe it's whom I shall marry or what to do with an investment, whatever the case may be in your life. Hey, my friend, can I tell you, if your God is able, you can entrust him with anything. Give it to him. Put it in his hands. Let him guide and direct you because you know what? My God is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him, that which I've committed to him against that day. That's what Paul says. My friend, if you think you're going to be secure in life by riches, whew, I feel sorry for you. If you think you can build up the good life and that you can entrust all, all your riches and your wealth to build such a life and it will give you eternal investment, uh, how many of us have known someone to build a good life and then death takes it all away just like that? I've said it before and you've heard me say it and it's beating a dead horse, but you and I both know we've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Good life ain't going with you. Only thing that's going with you is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The treasures you've laid up, the things you've invested and put in the hands of God, my friend, that will be treasure laid up in heaven for you. You know why? Because my God is able. I know whom I have believed. And I, I am convinced. I am confident. I know. I know that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. You know what it calls for? 
See, when you know your God's able, then they're, they're in our part. You don't have any hesitation to live this life for it. To say, man, I surrender all. I'll give it all. I, it's yours. I, I'll surrender it all. When you really believe your God is able, when you really have that as your heart attitude, man, my God is able. He can do it. He, he's going to return anything I invest and give to him my life, my eternity. He's going to keep it. He's going to take care of it. I'm persuaded. Then you won't hesitate to give him everything because he's able. I surrender all. Do you, Christian? Because it's a great reflection of whether or not you truly believe your God is able. We look again, another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Oh, great passage. Yeah, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Oh, man, it goes right along with the song, the quintet saying just a few moments ago. He is able to make all grace abound towards us. Now, I don't want to take anything out of context at all. Most of you would know that the idea of the text is the idea of giving. Okay? The verse above this says that God loves a cheerful giver. So it, it is in context of giving. And within that context, Paul makes this point. Don't miss it. The God of heaven is able to make all grace abound toward you. Meaning... That he is able to meet your every need, provide everything that you need to do the rest of what the verse says. What does Paul say in the rest of the verse? That you and I can be equipped and have sufficient resources to abound in every good work. See, my God is able to make sure that all grace abounds unto you and I so that you and I in turn can have the sufficient resource for every good work. Every obedience certainly the context there is to give god says boy as you are obedient and giving to god i'm going to bless you with the grace that's going to abound to you so you'll have sufficient resources but it isn't just it isn't just uh financially but it's also time and talents and the life that you live god is able and desirous to give me the grace to do it to obey his command let me put it this way the simple illustration but i think it's so true and this is this is neat this is only a, a god thing as i might call it okay um i wrote this illustration a, a couple days ago uh and uh <laughs> put it together and just this morning this happened in my house so I wrote it just a couple days ago, and then this happened, okay? Have you ever had a child come up to you on a Sunday morning, mom and dad, and, and with an innocent, pure, loving heart, they're like, I, I want to give some money in Sunday school. I want to put some money in the offering plate. And their heart and desire is to do a good work. Their heart and desire is to do the right thing. My son, Caden, hit me up this morning like, this is perfect. It's got a built-in illustration, Okay. And he did. He said, Dad, I, I'm going to left my money upstairs. And so, yeah. And, and they come and they ask you, hey, do you have some money I could give? Now, listen, when they ask you that, they think of you and I, right? That money grows on trees. That we have an endless supply. That we are limitless. That we can just reach into our wallet or our pocket and we just pull out money whenever we want to. Oh, that it were that way. But it's not, right? But in their minds, they think you and I have a limitless supply. And my friend, when we reach in there and we give a dollar bill, we give a few coins and we hand it to them. Now listen to me, don't miss it. And they head off to Sunday school and they put in the offering plate. Do you realize in that simple illustration that you and I have made grace abound unto them so they are sufficient to every good work? And my friend, you know what your God in heaven does? 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has a limitless resources. And my friend, as we strive to obey him, as we strive to give to him, as we strive to obey and give our time and our talents and to do and obey and heed his commands, our God gives us grace every day. He provides and meets our needs so that our resources, we have sufficient resources to do what he's called us to do. My friend, our God is able. These are not. These are not. He's an able God. The giver of grace. So that you and I in turn can have every resource we need to be obedient, prosperous children in good works. For his glory, a cheerful giver. Tell me, which false God can do that? Not a one. Not a one. Our God is able. Make it a little bit more personal. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 18. Great verse. Paul writes this. He says, For in that he himself, speaking of Jesus Christ, again, our high priest, hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, old English word succor, we think of a sucker like a used car salesman. Amen? Looking for a sucker. That's not what it means. Okay, this word means to aid, to help, to give assistance, to give support. Great word, great old English word, because it's speaking of somebody coming alongside of and literally lifting up and encouraging and building up. And that's what the promise here. In Psalm 115, if you still have it open there, look at verse number 8. Notice what it says. They that make them, speaking of false idols, are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. And remember, he just got done describing these idols have a mouth, they can't speak, they have eyes, they can't see, they have ears, they can't hear. So think of it, the point the psalmist is making, as irrational, as senseless and helpless as those idols are, those who make them and those who trust in them are just like them. Rational, helpless, senseless. Now, that's all that this idol can do for you. Think about it, okay? <laughs> I mean, really, you put it in perspective, okay? If I, were, if I were treating this Ellie as a god, and every day I came and bowed down before this elephant, okay? Guess what would happen over time? L- ladies, what happens in your home over time to decorations and everything? What gets on top of them? Starts with D, ends with us. Dust, good answer, okay. I help people along that way, okay. Dust, right? It falls out. You have to clean them. You have to take care of them. And you've got to wash them and do everything else. Now think about that. In that scenario, you and I are doing something for it. It's helpless. And as we trust in this kind of God, the fact is this. My goodness, we are proving ourselves to be just as helpless as that idol. We have no hope. Helpless means hopeless. And such is the case. And so the psalmist says, wait a second, man, you are just like them. You have, uh, excuse me one second, got a mess up with my mic. And it's pulling my head to the right. So that's like, (laughs) some of you might have thought I started having a seizure there. So I want to make sure I get it fixed, okay? So we become just like that and senseless, helpless, irrational. Now he contrasts that with what Paul here is describing about our God. Jesus Christ particularly. We have a high priest that's what? He's faced the temptation and trials that you and I have faced. He has lived on this earth as a human being, yet he was without sin. And because of that, guess what? You and I, 
we aren't the ones taking care of God. You and I aren't the ones that are only doing something for God and him doing nothing for us. No, Jesus Christ is able to help you, to succor you, to support you, to aid you in every temptation and trial you'll ever face. My friend, none of these gods can offer anything close to that. Jesus Christ, God alone is able to help you. He's seen it. He has faced it. And my friend, the reality is he can give you the grace as we just talked about to face every trial and temptation. Put it this way, he is able to help me no matter the temptation or trial I face. These cannot offer any help. They are unable to offer any aid. They are helpless as much as we are. In fact, we are worse off if we put our faith and trust in them. As our great high priest, Jesus Christ, is there to intercede and help us. And I sure am thankful, aren't you, this morning for a God that is able to help us. I'm thankful that we don't serve some useless, helpless God of this world. And we serve a great God, friend. My question is this, are you surrendered to him? He is able. Are you surrendered to him? Because he is worthy of everything you have. You couldn't put your trust in anybody or anything else more than God and know that he is able. There's another verse. Paul wrote it to the church at Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able, great verse, that unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In this passage, as he brings chapter 3 to a close, Paul is bringing glory and offering glory to the God of heaven. In doing so, he, he points out the most glorious blessing that only the God of heaven offers. What is that? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Anything that we can imagine. I love this point. Look at these gods here. Ask them what you want. But in the end, they offer nothing but dissatisfaction, disappointment. And I'll tell you, friend, they'll offer heartache. That's what they offer. They can only let a person down. Why? Because they are helpless. But the God of heaven, and don't miss this, here's Paul's point. The God of heaven routinely goes above and beyond what we ask for, what we could even imagine. Let me put it this way, and I think this is a great statement of what Paul's saying. Our God routinely surprises us with how he works things out, how good he is to us, and how he answers our prayers. He is routinely good to us, routinely surprises us, goes above and beyond what we could even ask or think. Man, all about you, but I sure am thankful for a God that routinely surprises me in his goodness to me. But these gods? What if you walked up to Ellie and you said, surprise me, Ellie? Yeah, the only surprise you'll get is how much she'll let you down. Or he'll let you down. Same is true of any of these gods. The only surprise they'll ever give you, the only time that they'll give you above and beyond what you exceedingly think is how much they let you down. Did you catch that? The only time that they will disappoint and heart. But the fact is this, friend, is that is all that they will bring. Our God is so worthy of glory because that he, of what he is able to do, what he often does do, says Paul. I would submit to you that it is another reason why he is worthy of both our trust and our surrender. Why not surrender all to him? Hey, What's the greatest decision facing you right now? 
What is it? I, I think of teenagers, maybe high schoolers who are thinking about school, where to go to school, and maybe college days about what to get married. Maybe others about occupation. Maybe some about when to retire. Maybe others about certain situations and things in life. Let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you not surrender that decision to your God? Is he not able, not only is he not able, is he able to give you direction, but my friend, isn't it great that our God, often he's able to give us exceedingly above what we ask or think? Now, if I believe that, why in the world would I hold anything back from him? Why would I say, well, I don't know, I want to make this decision on my own. I'm going to take care of that. Why would we do it? If we truly believe our God is able, and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think. Now, if we don't surrender all, it begs the question, do we not believe our God is able? Do we not truly believe that he is able to give above and exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think? The fault is not in God. The fault is in our surrender. Putting it in His hands. The last verse I share with you, not in Psalm 115, is Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Paul wrote this to the church of Philippi. He says, Who shall change our vile body, that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? To that verse, I say hallelujah. Do you catch it? Because he says, listen, we, subdue your vile body. The point, the principle we find in the end of the verse is simply this. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. That's a way of saying this. I put it another way. He is able to bring all things under his authority. All things will be, there's nothing outside the purview of his subjection. In other words, everything will be brought into subjection to him. Nothing. No person, no thing, no no politician, no nation, no angel, uh, no one is uh, not under the authority of God. Nothing will be absent from being in subjection to him. He is the all-powerful, almighty, omnipotent God of all creation, friend. The psalmist put it, you see it in verse 3, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. That is the God you and I serve. Everything obeys him. Nothing controls or commands him. He does whatever he pleases. He does what he wants. He does whatever pleases him. He is the all-powerful, the great, uh, only power friend and our God is able and what does the verse promise how many of you woke up this morning it was a little hard getting out of bed because something creaked crone or felt like you're broken how many of your bodies these bodies have just been attacked by sin and other things maybe you have scars in your life from uh, hey my friend our God is able to change these vile bodies that's what Paul says and give us a glorious body for all of eternity now let's put it in perspective Okay, just yesterday we had a memorial service for Karen Middleton. This is Miss Lorene's sister. She was saved here back in 1985. In the last few years, she had fought a a terrible uh, illness for two years. Unfortunately, in that fought, it had really done a number on her body. I'm thankful today that Karen Middleton realizes the truth of this verse. 
She has a temporary glorified body. Soon that she will have a permanent glorified body, my friend, but no longer a vile body. It is a glorified body. Free of the scars of sin. You say, whoa, how, how can you? No, and listen, I, I've been to doctors before, and I, I, I mean, I, I have all kinds of money. I, I bought all kinds of plastic surgery. <laughs> Good luck. Because you can nip and tuck, but it all eventually falls down. Amen? It does. That's here on earth. But can I tell you, my God is able And one day, this vile body is going to be changed. And it's going to be a perfect body. That's just not possible. Oh, it's possible when he's the God of heaven. He does whatsoever he what? Pleases. None of these can. Not one of them can do that for you. He will fashion us anew to live with him forever. What's the point, Paul? He can subdue anything. Now, let me ask you this. Why wait for him to subdue you? Why don't you surrender now? Everything's coming into subjection to him. Reality, every knee is going to bow. My friend, don't let get to the point where he has to subdue you. Just surrender. Many a Christian has found it true. Well, I'm just going to hang on to this. This part of my life, that decision, that's mine to make. And we don't surrender it to God. And can I tell you, our Father in heaven chastens us, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And so he wants you and I to realize the best for my life is to surrender all. And yeah, he'll do some things in my life to realize, man, even this is in subjection to him. How much better for him, uh, for us, instead of being the prodigal son, why don't we be the older son that lives at home and just surrenders? Why don't we be the one that says, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to make you chase me and chase, uh, bring things in my life where I subdue it. No, no, no. I just want to surrender it all. Why? Because my God is able. And I believe it with all my heart. Boy, we serve a great God, don't we? More than ever, in response to all of this, we should resolve as the psalmist does in verse 18. A great verse, right? He says this, but we, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Can I just tell you, forget these. Amen? These gods aren't God. They weren't worth anything. They're not even a God. They're not worth anything. Let's praise our God. Let's bless Him now and forevermore. And he says, praise the Lord. My God is able today. Your God is able today. Name it, he can do it. You need it, he can provide it. What's the psalmist saying is our obvious response? Don't miss it. Make sure this is the God that you depend upon and surrender to every day. Make sure that this is the God that you bow down before. Make sure that this is the God that dictates and guides and directs your decisions and your footsteps. So much the more. Yes, for salvation, but so much the more. Here's a reality. You aren't really going to bless, like the psalmist here, you aren't really going to bless and praise the God you don't look to, that you don't surrender to, that you don't put first in your life, that you don't lean on in every way in your life. I leave you with the question, do you believe your God is able today? Do you believe your God is able today? If so, go rely on Him solely this week. If so, let him dictate your words and your actions and your thoughts this week. 
If so, let him inform all the decisions that you make and, and give you wisdom this week. If your God is able this week, let your life revolve around him and his word this week. If he is able, surrender all. Surrender all. What in your life are you holding back? From the God that is able to give you abundantly, exceedingly more than you could ever ask or imagine. What are you holding back from the God that can make and cause grace to abound to you so you can be, have every resource to every good work? What are you holding back from Him? My friend, the reality is this, that we will find that in His ability, we have the means of thriving this week. His ability. He's able. His ability. But are you surrendered? Is your God able? Is your God able? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge it has been to my own heart and life. And Lord, I trust to these, my friends. Father, I pray now in this invitation that we would be honest and forthright with you, that we would identify ways. Maybe there's some things in our life that are little gods, Lord, that we have trusted in more than you. Convict us of that, and may we respond in confession and a prayer of trust in you today. Father, for some here, they have not surrendered all. Lord, even as we have studied your word this morning, your Holy Spirit has put his finger upon something in our lives in which we have not surrendered it. Maybe a young person here, maybe an older saint, whatever the case may be, no matter the age, Lord, you have spoken to us today and there is something we've held back. There's something we have not surrendered. And Father, if it is because we have failed to embrace the reality that you are able, forgive us. May we confess that today. Father, if it's simply because we think we can know better, forgive us, convict us today. May we set it right. Father, I pray that in these next few moments and this invitation that you would find as you stroll up and down the, uh, this auditorium and in every pew, I pray that you would find hearts and lives in which we can say, I surrender all. All is surrendered. All is on the altar. And we know we can trust you. And we are persuaded that you are able to keep that which we've committed unto you. May that be the case this morning. And if it is not, Father, I pray in this invitation we'd make it right. May we come to that point in our lives where we truly surrender all. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. Piano begins to play. You can kneel and bow right there at your seat. You can come to an old-fashioned altar, friend. It, does not matter what matters is that you and I do business with him what God is there in your life that has replaced the God that is able what is it in your life that you have failed to hand to him that you have failed to give to him how about it friend maybe you're here today and let's be honest you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ could I encourage you today is the day of salvation you just slip out those around you would gladly move if you're a lady a lady will take you if you're a man a man will take you they'll show you how you can know for sure that Jesus Christ is your savior heaven is your eternal home friend don't leave today without that settled Christian right now are you surrendered all is it all in his hands he's able will you trust him let's do business with him